last week, uh, we talked about why we worship, and we talked about uh, how we we're wired for worship. There's, there's, scripture tells us that all creation worships him. It's in our DNA. It's in our grand design, and, and that's great when we worship God, but last week, we also talked about how it creates a little bit of a challenge for us because we're wired for worship, and so it's really easy for us to make idols of things and to worship other things that aren't God. It's just, it's just in us. We want to lift something up, right? So last week was why we worship. I uh, want to talk this week a little bit about how we worship, specifically about, uh, about expression in worship. And this is, one of, you know, this is one of those things I want to preface it by saying, I'm going to share some scriptures about expressive worship, about, about the things that we do with our physical body when we're worshiping. Uh, and, and we can relate this specifically to music, but this is, all, this, is, uh, this is about the actions that we take when our hearts are being devoted to God, right? That's, that's what expressive worship is. It's not just leaving it in here, but it's doing something that's visible and active and impactful in our, in our, in our world. Um, I want to point us really quickly back to the surrender solution. Remember, we're, we're, we, we talked about all of, these, uh, all of these different aspects of our walk with God. And at the very center, I mentioned last week that, uh, that worship is at the crossroads of love and obedience. When we are motivated by love and our actions are in obedience to God, that's worship. That's worship. So at the very center of our walk with Jesus is worship. It's we lift him up not only with our hearts, with our voices, but with our actions as well. Uh, also last week I mentioned this uh, from Heidi Baker that love looks like something, right? When you're, when you're in love with someone, it looks like something. It doesn't just stay in here. Right? It, it doesn't, it's not just something that you hide away and you never show, you never tell. It motivates you to go do something special for that person or for that team or for you know, whatever it is that you happen to be in love with. Right? So love looks like something. It doesn't just stay locked away. If you're in love, it comes out. It's, it's evident. Right? And our worship is no different. So I want to I go back to, uh, if, if you've been walking with Adrian Gonzalez for any length of time, then you've heard this scripture, right? Luke 6.45, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Uh, it, uh, along the same lines, you'll know a tree by its fruit. Right? An apple tree bears apples. A pear tree bears pears. If a tree is in my yard, it just sort of dies. <laughs> but most trees, when they're not in my yard, bear the thing that they're designed to bear. Um, so this passage of scripture, Luke 6.45, is specifically about the connection between our hearts and our mouths. Out of the overflow of the heart, one version says, the mouth speaks. So if what's in your heart is worship, is adoration, is great stuff, then that's what's going to come out of your mouth. If it's not so great stuff, that's what's going to come out of your mouth as well. So our mouths are directly connected to our hearts. But what about, what about the rest of us? What about the rest of us? What about our hands and our feet and you know, our, 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 our eyes, our vision, all of that stuff? All of that is connected too. And what I want to do is I want to go really quickly through several scriptures um, that, are, that are tied to the physical component of our worship. 
And I know that when we come into a congregation where we've got, we've got a lot of different people coming from a lot of different backgrounds, and we've got, we've got introverts, we've got extroverts, we've got all, on the Enneagram personality, everybody's like from a one to nine, and we don't, we, you know, we're all coming from different places. So I'm not saying that if you are less comfortable expressing yourself, or if, that, if, that's, if, that's, if that's more of a challenge for you than it is for someone else, that's not good or bad. I just want to let you know that if you are wanting to be more expressive in your worship, that that's okay. That's scriptural. There's background for that. It's all good, right? So I want to share this with you. These are some expressions of praise and worship from the scriptures. 1 Timothy 2.8 talks about the lifting of hands. I want everyone everywhere to lift innocent hands toward heaven and pray without being angry or arguing with each other. Along with hands also, well, we get clapping our hands. Psalm 47.1, come everyone, clap your hands, shout to God with joyful praise. Then we get to standing, Exodus 33.10. Whenever the people saw the pillar of clouds standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and they worshiped each at the entrance to their tent. On the other end of the spectrum, we get kneeling and bowing. Psalm 95.6 says, come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. We get then into singing, Exodus 15, 21. Miriam sang this song. Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. And then Revelation 5, 9 says, And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. And we get into playing musical instruments, Psalm 150. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet, with the harp, with the lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and the pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. And we get into, uh, we get then into dancing. 2 Samuel 6, 14 through 15. Wearing a linen ephod. How do you pronounce that word? Is it ephod? Epod? Whatever you said, that's what this is. David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. Speaking of shouts, Psalm 66, 1, tell everyone on this earth to shout praises to God. Sing about his glorious name. Honor him with praises. So the main takeaway we get from all these scriptures is that there's a lot of different ways when we are moved by the Holy Spirit to exalt God. There are a lot of different ways that the Bible said, yeah, that's fine. Do that. It may not be comfortable for one person. It may be very comfortable for another person. But what this does is it, hopefully it gets us breaking down barriers of looking at someone else's expression and kind of low-key judging it, right? Because we do that at times. We do that. I'm going to tell a very quick story about some about Austin Cathedral. I love this story because it's just, it's just weird, and I can't believe this happened to me. Um, so I was leading worship at Austin Cathedral, and uh, and we used to have some conferences and stuff. And we and it was a very expressive church, right? So we had banners and shofars and and dancing, and it was it was kind of yeah, kind of a like a worship party kind of environment when we would get together. Um, not comfortable for everybody, but it is what our environment was. And so, <laughs> but every once in a while, you see something you haven't seen before. I'm getting ready to lead worship for a conference, and a man walks in the back door. I haven't seen him before. He's just visiting. He has a case. It is a large case. 
and he sets it down against the side wall, and we're just going through practice. The rest of the, rest of the team is sort of, you know, done. They're, they're going back into the back room. I'm tuning up a guitar, and I look at him, and he opens up this case, and he takes out two broadswords. <laughs> like Braveheart, Scottish Claymore kind of broadswords, Right? All very shiny. They hadn't been like put to like actual use on anyone, which is great. But I was concerned that they might be that evening. So he takes out two broadswords and such a sweet man. So, so nice. I thought, well, we have kids running around who might not be looking for broadswords. So, so I should probably go talk with, with him. So I walk, as I'm walking up, he's getting, them, he's getting ready to worship the Lord. He's getting ready to be expressive. He's getting ready to, you know, to be a, a warrior for, for God, you know, and, and with all the swords that that requires. And so I go walking up to him and, and I said, hey, how are you doing? I'm Darren. I'm the worship leader here. And he introduces himself to me. And I said, I notice you brought with you. I never thought I would say this to anyone. I notice you brought with you two broadswords. And he said, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, I use these when I worship the Lord. And then he asks a really great question. Is that okay? And because and he sees like around, there's, there's banners that we left out for people to be able to, you know, to wave their banners, which is also scriptural to the Lord. Um, is that okay? And I said, well, um, in principle, I think it's okay. But also we have some kids wandering around that might not, be, might not be aware that you have swords. And so I just, for the safety of the kids, if you, if, if you wouldn't mind just leaving those to the side and, and just maybe you could pick up one of the banners. And uh, <laughs> I felt, it was just a weird conversation because I felt like, and I told him, I said, clearly, I mean, you know what you're doing <laughs> with the sword, but not the, re the rest of us might not be ready for that. But so... Different, different expressions, different expressions. And there's, there's all sorts of ways that we can express our overwhelming love for the Lord. Uh, and and it, it's, I don't know where we're going from there, but, <laughs> but, uh, but maybe we should go to this quote from A.W. Tozer. He said, any man or woman on this earth who's bored or turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. And man, I find that to be true. I find that to be true. So we, I, I told you a little story about Broadsword Man. Um, just one of the ways that we can express our worship to God, right? Uh, but there is that aspect. Some people who are more introverted, don't carry their swords with them, might, <laughs> might say, well, but I, I worship God in my heart. I'm not comfortable doing that, but I worship God in my heart. To which I would say, that's awesome. That is absolutely wonderful. That's where all worship begins anyway. You should do that. But I would also say we should worship God with our heart, but we should be willing to open ourselves up to also using, as Jesus said, our soul, our mind, and our strength, which includes our bodies, which includes our bodies. We're talking about whole person worship. We're going to look at Mark 12, 28 through 31. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor 
as yourself. See, it's worship and it's groups. Worship and groups. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. There's a lot of things that we can pull out of this passage where Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, with all your expression, with everything that's within you. Show your love for him. That's what he's saying. And then he's saying part of showing your love for him is showing your love for your neighbor showing your love for those around you. And I think one of the big things we need to draw from this is just this, this one principle. Jesus is telling us, don't compartmentalize, synergize. We have a really keen ability to compartmentalize our lives. Even if we don't really want to, we have a way of separating our church self from our work self our work self, from our family self. And when we go too far down that road, if, we, if we're expressing ourselves here in ways that we would be unwilling to express ourselves outside of these walls, then we're going down the road of, 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 being, of lacking integrity, right? By definition, integrity is being the same under all conditions, right? So we compartmentalize our lives a lot in the church. And that does two things that, that I think hurt us and maybe even hurts the church. Um, number one is that it keeps us from experiencing him fully. If I leave my deepest, if I leave my expression to God sort of locked away in these four walls, then I'm limiting my walk with him when I get outside the door. I'm limiting my expression. I'm not giving him all of me when I'm out there. I'm only going to give, give him all of me when I'm in here. That's compartmentalizing, right? And that limits me from experiencing him fully. Another thing that that does when we compartmentalize is it sends a message to people who may not want to walk in here that the things that we do in here, they don't count out there. They don't matter. We're not going to do those. We're saving all of our worship. We're saving all of our all of our expression of devotion to God, we're saving all of those things for in here. But we can't do that. We can't compartmentalize. We have to be who he's called us to be everywhere. We have to be who he's called us to be in these doors and outside of our doors. Um, it's, a, it's the synergy of our heart to worship him with our body, our actions. And I was talking with Pastor Ross the other day, and he, he said, it's really important that we get this connection between our heart and our body. He says, can you know what happens when you separate your heart from your body? Yeah, you die, right? And spiritually, that's what happens when we compartmentalize and we separate our heart from our body. We, we die a little, right? Jesus wants us to, to be one integrated worshiper, body, heart, soul, mind, strength. God wants all of us. He doesn't want just parts of us, right? Which automatically makes me think of that song. Willie Nelson did it best, all of me. All of me. Why not take all of me? But we won't get into that right now. But we could, and it would be awesome. Um, I, want to, uh, I want to go into a couple, of, uh, a couple of quick reminders about the outward expression, biblical praise, biblical worship. It is intended to be an outward demonstration, right? As much as as much as we are able, as much as we are able to give ourselves over to him in an expression, he's saying, yes, please do that. Show, show me, uh, it, make, it, make a demonstration of your devotion, of your love for me is what God's telling us. Um, I know that scares introverts to death, honestly. 
Like, I'm okay with worshiping. Worshiping is great. I do that in here. I don't want to move because that's real scary. And, you know, I, I, think, uh, I think, yeah, there's a lot of validity to that. There, there, is that. there is that hesitancy that we have sometimes in worship. Like, well, if I do this, is it going to look weird? Is it going to feel weird? And I, and I got, I got to say that if you are, put it in a different context. Let's say that we went to a concert with one of our favorite bands, right? Went to a concert. You'd probably clap your hands. You'd probably sing along, probably move a little bit, you know? Probably, I don't dance. I'm not a dancer in worship because when I dance, I don't mind people laughing, but I don't like it when they point when they laugh. So that's embarrassing for me. So that's kind of one of my limits. I don't do dancey praise stuff, but mainly because I think it takes everybody else's worship experience down a notch. So, but, uh, but expressive worship is a physical demonstration of a spiritual reality, a spiritual reality. And that reality is that praise to God, it is manifested. It is declared. We read last week in Psalm 19, where it said the heavens are declaring the glory of God. The skies are issuing forth his praise. Everything that is created speaks of his glory. And we're no different. We were created on day six, y'all. We were created on day six. That's when he created people. And we're no different than any other creation. The expression of worship to be fully realized must be declared. It must be something that we get out that doesn't just stay in, right? It's actually in the definition of praise. Praise is, is declaring that something is worthy of note, right? Something is admirable. Something, something is, uh, is worthy of worship. When we're praising, like if two of my three kids are here today, um, when we praise our kids, right? When, when we tell them they've done a good thing. If I never told you that anything you ever did was good, you might think that I don't think anything you ever did was good. And that's not the kind of relationship I want us to have. Don't tell everybody my faults as a dad while you're here. That'd be terrible. Um, right, Kendall's writing them down. So I'm making a list, Dad. Um, but praise must be manifested and declared, and it's a reflection of what's in our heart. It's a reflection of what's in our heart. I love my kids. I want them to know that I think they're great, and so I tell them. And our relationship with God is no different. I love the Lord. I want them to know that I think he's great, and so I tell them, right? Number two, physical actions, when you're mixed with faith, have spiritual repercussions. And I want to say this as we're getting into talking about uh, increasing sort of our, our palette of our expression in worship. I'm, I'm not really asking everybody, man, Adrian and the team are going to come up and they're going to sing. I want everybody to start dancing right away. That's, that's not what I mean. What I'm saying is I want for us to be a, a body of believers that's vulnerable to the Lord. And if he said, I want you to raise your hands right now, we'd do it. And if, if he moved us in our hearts to sing a little louder, we'd do it. If there was something welling up in you and you're like, I just, just got to tell God how good he is, and I'm going to shout it, and it's going to sound weird. We wouldn't let the it's going to sound weird get in our way. We would do it if he was moving us. That's really the goal. Physical actions, when they're mixed with faith, have spiritual repercussions. There is a release when we act in faith. Let's take a look at James chapter 2. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by actions, it's dead. Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? 
you see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Point number three, we talked last week about how worship is a decision, right? We, we have to decide. We have to make a conscious choice to lift up God and not lift up other things, or to lift up God and not just ignore him. I mentioned last week that we're different uh, among all created things in that we have a choice. God created us with agency. He created us in his own image. So he created us with agency, with the ability to choose what path we want to take. So it's actually more powerful when we choose to give ourselves over and worship to him because he gave us the option not to. The birds of the air, the beasts of the field, the trees, uh, they, they worship just by being. They grow and it reveals the glory of God. For us, we do the same. Just by being, we reveal the glory of God, but we have the added benefit of being able to choose to express it. And that's really super powerful. So number three, praise is a function of our will. Praise is a function of our will. I want to take a look really quickly uh, at, uh, at two different psalms. In the psalms, by the way, the phrase, I will praise the Lord, occurs about 21 times. I will praise the Lord. And when we think about that, I will praise the Lord can be broken down as, I'm setting my will to praise the Lord. And when we take a look at these two psalms of David, we see that that means even when you might not feel like it. You can override the feeling that you have, and you can set your will to praise the Lord. Psalm 42, 5. He said, why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for yet I will praise him, my Savior and my God. So in Psalm 42, the context of this, David is at war with his son Absalom. Absalom rebelled against David Took, uh, he, he, he left, came back with an army, and he declared himself as king. And he threatened his father. And so David said, I got to leave Jerusalem. I got I to get away. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? Like if I'm at home and Ben leaves, <laughs> gets an army, <laughs> and comes back and says, I've declared myself father of this house. <laughs> and I'm like, well, it would weird me out enough to where I said, I got to go take a break. I got to leave. So, but that's... That's a semblance of what happens to David. David. David is being threatened by his own son. Nothing about this situation would make David say, man, God is great. I really want to praise him right now. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is awesome. I love what's going on with my son right now. None of that's happening. None of that's happening. But he says to his very soul, he says, why are you so disturbed? Put your hope in God. He's talking to himself and saying, why are you so downcast, my soul? I mean, he knows why he's downcast, but he's speaking to the part of him that needs to rise up and worship. And he says, put your hope in God. Bless him. Psalm 103, 1 through 5. This is how he puts that into action. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord and forget none of his benefits. He who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. He commands his very soul to rise up and stop dwelling on the current circumstance. So just a note to all of us, if you're ever in a situation in here or out there 
where you're dwelling on circumstance, but what you really want to do is rise up above that. It's hard to praise the Lord. Here's what we do. We do like David did. We start remembering out loud. We start declaring the good things. We start declaring his goodness. We let faith arise by declaring who he is, what we've seen him do in our lives, as David does, in our ancestors' lives, in the lives of people around us. We let faith arise by saying, you know what? My soul wants to be down in the pit, but I'm going to override that by declaring who he is. I'm going to bring all the things that I know to be true about my God to the forefront. And if we'll declare those things aloud, it changes the atmosphere. It changes our heart. It changes our perspective of not necessarily what's going on with us right now, but what God's able to do with what's going on with us right now, right? Since we're wired for worship, and since our agreement with God is so powerful, the attack that normally comes against us from the enemy is designed to keep us focused on ourselves and how we feel rather than focused on him and who he is and his greatness. If I focus on myself all the time, that's a very limiting, <laughs> a very limiting perspective. God wants to break us out of that and instead focus on him. Our feelings sometimes object to us wanting to rise up and worship God. And so when our feelings object, our faith has to answer. And that's what David's doing right here. And summing it up this way, when we don't feel like worshiping, remember that feelings are a thermometer, but worship is a thermostat. Feelings tell you the temperature that you're in here, but worship adjusts that temperature. Feelings are a thermometer, worship is a thermostat. Two more quick points. Uh, praise and worship are empowered by our emotions. Psalm 13, 1 and 2 says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts all day after day? And day after day have sorrow in my heart. This is another one of David's psalms. One of the things you notice about the psalms of David is that oftentimes they begin one way and it's kind of down. It's kind of a uh, sad sack because he's talking about the bad situation that he's going through. He's confessing it to God. He's being open. He's being honest. And then there comes a point in the Psalms, and it happens here. In verses 1 and 2, he's talking, God, why did you forget me? Are you going to forget me forever? And then he takes a little break in verse 3 and 4, and then he comes back in verse 5 and 6, and he says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. So once again, our emotions can want to take over our worship, and sometimes our emotions aren't in the mood to lift him up. That's when our faith has to take over, and we have to set our will. The, the last thing I want to mention very quickly, and then, uh, and then I want to get into worship. Actually, Adrian and the team, could y'all come up? Expressive worship challenges our pride. We worry a lot about how we're going to look, how we're going to sound. Have you ever like sung quietly in worship because you think your voice isn't great? Yeah? Happens. Have you ever not lifted your hands because you're looking at the person next to you and they're not lifting their hands, but you kind of want to? But you're like, oh, I guess we're not doing that, right? Our worship is a thermostat. We get to choose how we're going to express our love to God. 
And if that's with lifting your hands, that's great. If it's, with, if, if it's in some other way, that's great. If it's singing a little louder, if it's kneeling and bowing, if it's taking a little break, sitting down and just being with God in a, in a, in, in a more intimate kind of way, that's wonderful. But expressive worship challenges our pride. When, we, when we're in moments of worship and we're worried about how it's going to look or how it's going to sound or whether it's going to be acceptable, then what we've done is we've made ourselves into an idol, right? We're concerned more with how we're going to look than whether God gets magnified. 